This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. All right, welcome back to the rant. Politi here, Lenny Fonseca, both here. Special edition of the rant, fellas. We're going to wrap up the 2022-23 season for Rutgers athletics. We're also going to talk about Cliff O'Murray coming back. The big news that uh, happened last week, saving next season's <laughs> basketball season. We'll talk about the flurry of Florida football recruitments. Good news for Greg Schiano. We'll talk about one angry big 10 football anonymous coach who is making everyone getting feisty here in June uh, as well. But first it's that time of year when we do the year in review and my sense I did not look this up. My sense as we planned this podcast was that this year certainly wasn't as good as the previous two. Pat, you have done the digging and have the data to support my sense. Indeed, Steve-O, indeed. It uh, was a rather lackluster year, both for teams and individuals in terms of qualifying for the NCAAs and then performing well at the NCAAs. So my quick dig includes seven wrestlers qualified for the NCAAs, which was a lot, matched a, a good number for, for the wrestling team, two track and field athletes, and then one diver, Julia Vittorioso. So that gives us 10 individual qualifiers. Okay. And for team sports, men's soccer, women's soccer, and rowing, which finished 15th overall at nationals, which will give them a little bit of a spring boost, I think, uh, when you tally in that rowing uh, finishing 15th overall at nationals, which was pretty good showing for them. So three out of 24 teams. What is it? Well, if you break it down by individual versus team. Gotcha. Okay. It's, it's a different number. Fun second. What does that, what does that put Rutgers in the grand national scheme of things? So it's not great. The thing is a year last year, the director's cup, which is like the thing Learfield does to calculate how good each athletic department did in all of its sports. Uh, Rutgers had a program record finish 48th. It's never been as good as last year. This year, they're about to have the second worst in program history. If things are going to continue at this pace. So they did an update in April 20th, right? There's still sports to go, but as Pat mentioned, none of those sports that are counting baseball, softball, men's and women's lacrosse, none of them made the tournament, which is not going to help much. Uh, but they're currently at 136th. They were 48th last year. 136th? Yes. Okay. That is the second worst, on pace to be the second worst. They were 158th in 2011. 
which is, I, I don't know what the hell happened in 2011, but that is a horrible number. So again, maybe the spring sports salvage them somehow, maybe rowing, but uh, it's, a, it's a pretty big fall from grace to go from the best of all time to the second worst. All right, 136. Well, that's our show, folks. Thanks for listening. I, whose idea was this? It's <laughs> terrible. Right. Your fault, Lanny. Uh, yeah, all right. So look, it happens. It's not I mean, Rucker. This is not like Greg Shannon's famous quote he uses all the time. It's not a a constant upward trajectory. There are certainly peaks and valleys when you're building something, uh, maybe not totally unexpected. So what we're going to do here, we each went through and picked our best team, best athlete, biggest story, something to talk about, our highlights for the year. Sort of an unofficial draft. I don't know whoever got in here first picked the teams. So I, I, I might have had some advantages, although I see that uh, you guys picked some, okay, some pre- pretty good ones too. All right. Let's start with teams. Fonseca, I think you picked what probably most people would agree was the team of the year for Rutgers. Who is it? Yeah, I think men's soccer pretty clearly is the best team. They the, became the only men's team to win uh, a Big Ten tournament at Rutgers. They broke a seven-year drought of making the NCAA tournament. Uh, they almost won. I believe they won the regular season. I should know this, actually, but I think they won the regular season, too. I, they might have done the double, or if they didn't, they were in the top three. I, I'm not entirely sure. But the point is they had a great year. We're going to touch on this later. He's probably going to be my athlete of the year, but MD Myers was the Big Ten player of the year, which is yeah. a pretty big deal. J- Jim McInerney had a huge year, and I really hope I pronounced his name right because off the top of the head, <laughs> no. I'm not sure if I said it wrong or not. Uh, the we poor had guys. it down. I had it in a file. I had it like the phonetic spelling in a file. And it's yeah. I think you got it right though. McEldery, I'm not gonna Mikkel- try. No, uh, it's, it's I apologize, Jim. I really do because not McEldery. Then it's McEldery. McEldery, yeah. best team at Rutgers, and I can't pronounce the poor guy's name. He deserves better than this. Best hair, uh, best flow, best uh, lettuce at Rutgers as well. I don't know if he cut his hair. I haven't seen him in a few months, but anyway, I think that's pretty. Pretty clearly the best team at Rutgers and um, a return to winning tradition for a program that uh, was really successful for Rutgers a couple of decades ago. Pat, you made the case for a different team. Who is it? You made a case for a track and field, not because of an overall overwhelming, overwhelming success, but a trajectory that's pointing in the right direction. Uh, they had 19 podium finishes at the Big Ten, which was almost uh, doubling its previous high. Oh, um, all right. And they had, of course, Chloe Timberg, who was an indoor and outdoor champion in the pole vault. And uh, the women's team had the, scored the most points they've ever scored in Big Ten competition. So I just think that they're getting a lot of New Jersey kids that are really good and they're recruiting well. And you can see the, the little bit of an upward trajectory. So I just wanted to give the track and field program a little bit of a shout out for, for uh, a little bit of continued success. All right, I'm not I'm not thinking outside the box for this one. I'm going with men's basketball. And I know that that it, it viewed as a disappointment. And I see Fonseca's eyebrows rise on the Zoom call when I said that. And I get it. NIT was not the standard, not the expectation, the late season collapse, uh, notwithstanding. But I think the fact that they had again were a national story for much of the year, upset the number one team. You know, we're still talking about them in the spring. They're a product of the, they're, they're victim of their own success. They raised the bar really high. People were expecting something. I think it's pretty clear that most people agree. They got snubbed on selection Sunday. That is whether that's their fault or not. Certainly many, you can make a strong case. They should have been in the field. 
again, if you're just looking at eyeballs, conversation, we're talking about men's basketball when we ever have, probably more than football, which has been an unheard of situation at Rutgers. I think that they are still the dominant team now, and I'm going to give them the nod here for best team or most uh, certainly the best team of the year. All right. Best athlete. Lanny, what you got? You go first this time. I went with uh, someone who is just the absolute program standard and been doing it for a lot of years. Megan McClelland of women's soccer. She was the goalie. Great choice. Has career numbers that are through the charts. Second most in NCAA history in minutes and 49 shutouts in 102 games. Obviously, women's soccer has been one of the best teams at Rutgers. And Megan McClellan was a big reason why she just uh, was picked up in the nationally in the pro league. So I think she's done a great job, uh, not only at Rutgers, but will be the next big alum representing Rutgers as well on the national stage. Fonseca. I mentioned MD Byers from uh, men's soccer, big 10 player of the year. Pat mentioned Chloe Timberg, who's who just repeated as the uh, big 10 outdoor pole vault champion. I guess I'll go with Ryan Lasko who finished his, uh, Great career at Rutgers baseball. Uh, he's probably going to get drafted. I would not be surprised. I would actually be surprised if he doesn't get drafted. He's been one of the big reasons why Rutgers baseball has taken the jump back to relevancy in the past couple of years. I'll give it to Ryan Lasko. Now, I thought about going with Camp Spencer just to, to see, again, this time, just to see if Fonseca's the eyebrows will explode off his forehead if I did that. Uh, you can make a case for Cliff as well. Certainly Cliff was, uh, you know, one of the best players and the best centers in the Big Ten. I'm going to go outside the box, though, and I like this one because we're not going to do a lot of – not a lot of football athletes are going to get not here. I'm going to go with the future, I think, Sam Brown, a guy we forgot about, a guy who was a dominant running back before he got hurt, uh, is one of the reasons, maybe the biggest reason, if you're looking for the trajectory of that football team to go up, uh, next year, it's because of him. It's because of his running ability. I think it's just a shame that he had, he had his best game against Indiana Rutgers. Finally, found something last year, and he got hurt. Uh, again, certainly, uh, you guys have stolen a lot of good choices here for the best athlete. But I'm going to give I'm going to give the nod to Sam. All right, biggest story of the year. This is obviously open to interpretation. Fonseca, I think you've got the correct you've got the correct answer. So why don't you go first? I think it was that Sunday in January. Uh, Rutgers beats Ohio State in overtime, just epic fashion. Watt Mag, who was the breakout player, has a breakout game with a game-winning three. Uh, the place goes nuts. They go to the locker room, and then Ace freaking Bailey, the highest-ranked recruit in program history, decides, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come here now. This is gonna be the day." And then news breaks of that within an hour. Now Rutgers has a top five recruiting class in the country, and it's giving them a pretty good shot at another top five player in Dylan Harper. So. Really, that that's indisputably the the best day Rutgers has had, not only this year but probably maybe this century. Really, I mean, it, it's definitely up there. Uh, you, you know, obviously, there's Louisville and football, and there's a bunch of other dates. I'm being a bit exaggerating here, but I think it's it's definitely up there. It's, it's a moment that I think if he signs, Rutgers fans won't forget. No, and certainly would. And if if he does, and if if Dylan Harper does come. That would just make that the, uh, by far the biggest story of the year, I mean, obviously, and a national story as well. So we'll wait for that in July. We'll talk about him a little bit more in a minute. All right, Pat, who was your who was your choice for this one? Right now, it's I, blank in my script. I, it's, so I, I got a blank. One. I got a blank. <laughs> I've gone back and forth with like three different ones. So I'm just going to lay them okay. all out and you tell me which one. All right. Okay. My first, my first thought was Shiano has now brought in coaches that – are his guys 
that could change the trajectory of the football right. team. Sure. So, that's so a good I one. Think, I think that's probably what I'm going to go. I'm not going to give you the other two. I think that's the one. Uh, firing I, Sean Gleason. Doesn't that be a good story? Firing Sean Gleason was a huge story. Huge story. And, and I thought bringing in Scirocco was such a great hire. And everything I've seen and talked to him about has just been so positive. I think he's just the right guy for the job. So I'm going to start with, instead of going with the negative of firing, firing Gleason, we're going to go with the, Hiring of Kirk Shiraka as an offensive coordinator who can really get it done at Rutgers. All right. I'm going to go with NIL as the biggest story in at Rutgers because it is the biggest story in college sports, period. Uh, losing Cam Spencer is just one part of it. The struggle behind the scenes uh, to, to figure this out, this national trend, to find out how Rutgers is going to raise what John Newman said will be a $10 million yearly uh, payout for to keep to keep stay competitive. Um, it's a story that's evolving. It's a story that is just going to continue to dominate every decision, every major thing that happens in Piscataway. And the coaches that navigated well, the coaches that figured it out are going to be the ones ultimately who are winning games. So right now, that's still a work in progress, but it's by far the dominant story. All right. So do we want to do a 2023-24 prediction? We've all we all left it blank on our script. Believe it or not, folks, we have a script for this show. What do you got? You got anybody want to go stab something for next year here? How about following in that NIL conversation that Rutgers athletic department comes up with something bigger than what has been brought to the surface to this point? Ooh. They have the new uh agreement with with the, the big uh company. Uh let's see the athletic department maybe pouring some money into NIL and focusing on NIL. How about that? That's quite, do we have uh, a little side bet on that one, maybe for predictions? Uh, yeah. All right. Pretty bold. I like, okay. It's bold. That's bold. Certainly. I think there, that would be, that would surprise. It's a prediction that would surprise a lot of people. I like it though. All right. Fonseca, you got one. I'll go. Uh, Dylan Harper commits to the Rutgers in July and, and uh, that they both signed in November and 2024, um, 25 becomes the most anticipated season maybe in Rutgers athletics history. Yowza. Man, I like it. So they both commit and they both sign. And so, yeah, I mean, that's so, all right. That's good. That's a good prediction. Um, this morning. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, I will predict that the football team will narrowly miss qualifying for a bowl this year. And uh, there'll be lots of discussions about the direction of where that's going. So that's going to be my prediction. Nothing, nothing to the outside the box here, but uh, I think that's probably going to be the main storyline this fall. How long you've been doing this, Steve? Oh yeah. 25 years. What? Sounds like such a, what? A a yearly prediction. Someone, yeah, someone, someone Someone realistic, something realistic. You've listened to my you've listened to my picks every week here, Pat. You're just figuring this out. There's an approach to this. All right, good stuff. That was fun. There's our year in review. Good job, guys. I think I think Cap. I'm sure we'll get some uh, emails from people who say we didn't cover something, but that's I think that sums it up. Not the greatest year ever, but um, given the the past two before this one, uh, I think most fans would probably let it slide. All right. Let's talk about some stuff in the news. The biggest item that uh, Cliff is back, not a surprise, but certainly, my goodness, a uh, something that needed to happen, Brian. I mean, they could not go into next season without their center. What's your sense that what happened behind the scenes that got this done? 
I wouldn't call it a surprise, but I do think it was a bit tight. I do think Cliff was legitimately considering the NBA and professional opportunities. I think that's ultimately where he wants to be. And uh, it hits a tough decision, right? Because he's starting to get up there in age and he's entering his fourth college year. And as we know, the younger you are, the more valuable you are to these teams. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, he picked Rutgers and Rutgers should thank their lucky stars every day. Because if he didn't come back, my goodness, that center depth would, you know, would be very, very scary. They still have some work to do. They're probably going to add a backup big. And once they do that, they'll have a decent rotation of three guys with uh, Cliff, uh, whoever they get, and uh, Antoine Wolfolk. But yeah, Cliff is the big piece. He'll he played 30 something minutes a game last year. He'll do it again. Uh, I think he has a chance of being, I mean, looking at the Big Ten big man landscape at a glance, he has a chance of being the, one of, if not the best centers in the Big Ten, if he can learn to make a shot within four feet of the basket without dunking. Um, and I, I don't say that starkly. I'm saying it's the truth, right? That was probably his right. biggest. That is absolutely. It sounds like I'm being a jerk. I'm, I'm not. I really think that's like the one thing that's missing for him to becoming really, really dominant. So if he could figure that out, it'd be a big piece. I, I know he wants to develop other aspects of his game for his professional aspirations, shooting outside, you know, dribbling, maybe bringing the ball up the court. But I think for Rutgers purposes, if he could become a guy who can finish decently well around the rim, uh, they have a really good foundation for a team that can finish in the upper half of the Big Ten. But obviously that's a pretty big if that he's going to have to answer himself. All right, but this looks like, I mean, let's let's put that in perspective. This this could be for all of our our losing our you know what over Cam Spencer leaving. This is this is still the core of an NCAA tournament team. If you have the best center in the Big Ten or one of the two best centers in the Big Ten, if Moat Mag comes back healthy, uh, if Paul Mulcahy, we haven't talked about this yet. Every question we have for our insider questions was, well, what about Mulcahy? We don't have the we don't have an official answer, but we just have to assume he's coming back, right? Yeah, pencil him in. I mean, I would be pencil him. shocked if he wasn't at Rutgers, right? We're just that's right. we're just missing the official word. I, I don't have an an exact answer of why right. he hasn't publicly said anything. Uh, but my understanding is he a grad is, transfer? He could go. He, he he's done. Yes. He's got. He, he, he can pull Cam Spencer great. if he wants. He can and pull he can decide to just. He doesn't want. He won't do that. That'd be. I stuck. mean, I would be that's shocked, right? right? Right. All right. So pencil him back in. So then you've got Noah Fernandez. I mean, what what you've got? It's not you got Gavin. It's not going to be a deep team, but it's still going to. I mean, it's still and right back where we started, right? NCAA bubble team. Yes, I would. I would call them a bubble team. I would not call them an NCAA tournament team, and I will be hesitant to call them a lock from here forward because I did that too much last year. Um, but I would. <laughs> but I would. You say, did it twice, not just last year. You did it two years in a row. Let's. Let's call it. You called them that no chance two years in a row, and you're you. So yeah, you're declarative thing, declaring things one way or the other. I'm, I'm going to hold my predictions for uh, selection Sunday. I think, but I think they're in a good spot. They're as good a spot as they can be after losing their best shooter. Uh, if they can find a guy in the portal that can shoot the ball decently well, that'd be pretty big. But uh, they've been in worse positions. I think they'll. I think they'll enter the season with a chance for sure. Okay. All right. The other big development this week, Pat, football recruiting. I know this is Todrick's gig, but um, just from what you've seen, getting those two, getting twins from Florida. First of all, we've got to give them high praise. Ty Clean and Ty Cool Hill, uh, first team all name already. That's some cool for a guy who everyone on earth is named Steve. I have a great deal of respect for people who have cool names. Um What's going on? I mean, what what is what is the what is the deal with recruiting? Obviously, a Florida pipeline is reopened. Yeah, it's huge. I remember Shiano talking on some radio show last year in, in Miami, saying that we we always want to focus on Florida because there's just so much talent that pours out of the state. Of course, all the great teams have had great Florida players, so that's a big deal. The other big deal is just that 
the amount of visitors that they had on campus uh, for official visits, uh, you know, last weekend and and coming up here. Uh, according to Todrick, it was the largest list of official visitors that they've had in a long time. So I think that's important, too. There's good in-state and tri-state area connections in that list. So if you really go through it with a fine tooth comb, you know, you're going to find guys like Yasin Willis from St. Joe's Montville is a very, reminds me so much of Sam Brown, the way he runs. Um, and then of course, just to circle back to the Florida commits, they also got Raynor Adams an offensive tackle out of Florida as well. So you got Ty clean and Ty cool Hill Lumen defensive ends and Raynor Adams an offensive tackle out of Florida too. So I think, uh, a lot to digest in the recruiting game, but they're, they just cracked the top 25 in the composite. So everything seems to be trending in the right direction from that perspective. Six no in, and six it. in the big 10, correct? Is that, is that what and I also that's, read? That's yeah. right. So if you're in the top half in the big 10, even at this stage, and I get it, it's early uh, decommits are going to be a thing for the rest of time. Uh, but one thing you'll say, I mean, uh, Greg has not lost a lot of play. Once he gets the commitments, he's they're pretty good at keeping them. Yeah. The that is true. That is definitely true. And he always, that's what he always says. We're recruiting guys that want to be Rutgers guys first and foremost. And I think that is a part of the reason why they don't lose them in the end, really. I think there's something fascinating. Just I get the sense that he, the way he's navigating what's going on in, in out there in the in the world with the NIL seems to be pretty smart. I, and he's never going to give the roadmap for how he's doing it. But I mean, overall, obviously, this is still a relationships game. He this he has had he has stability on the staff, but some staff turnover and 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 some of those guys are are recruiting pretty well. So there's no question about it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see the roadmap to his NIL uh, plan because he's making you know he's making lemonade out of lemons. Let's put it that way, <laughs> right? Too. Like. We'd, we'd we sooner have that. the area 51 area 51 map from <laughs> from fbi or, or the jfk assassination plot from the cia offices then we will get the roadmap for greg shiano navigating the nil but yes it'd be great to see it well think about it from this perspective steve you you were on the story that shiano said they only needed a million dollars to be competitive Remember that was only a year think, ago. Well, I think he said six figures. Oh, I think what, what he, yeah, I, I don't know if you wanted the the actual big the actual number, but it was not it was not just one one million that he, he millions he yeah, said. Okay, he, okay. He billion, yeah. billion, million could be millions. a billion. I mean, a million here, a million there. Before you know, you got all, talking about a lot of money, right? So there you yeah. go. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldrich is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldrich Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldrich lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Knights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldrich.com. Uh, all right, the other story of football, it's, it's, I mean, it's June 6th. It's a slow time of the year. Uh, Brian put up a, a headline that people were furious about. I think what we're learning here, Brian, is we want... 
would would be great if you could just make every headline say, this is a story about Rutgers football. This way there's no one can like, no one can flip out about it, but an anonymous coach in Athlon's football preview ripping Rutgers. What did he say? He said uh, that whatever buzz Greg Schiano had when he came back is gone. He said that people want this to become what they were back in the Big East, but it's not possible. He said that uh, two quarterbacks played poorly and they didn't replace them. And uh, he said that the people who hired him expect him to turn it around, but they don't think it's possible. A lot of people told me that's not a rib job. A lot of people told me it wasn't a scathing scouting report that I think they expected to open the, my headline was so scandalous that they expected to open the story and that he, that Greg Schiano was the one that killed JFK or Franz Ferdinand or something. Like, I, I, I don't know what, when I read that, I was like, Wait a minute, just gonna stop here. The man who doesn't know John Glenn just dropped the Franz Ferdinand reference. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I, come on, I listen to music and I know who started the first world war. You know, I'm not I'm not that. I mean, John Glenn, comparing John Glenn to Franz Ferdinand is like <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I, I I don't even want to go down that road. But anyway, yeah, like I I, I think it's pretty notable that an assistant coach at another program in your league is essentially saying there's no chance that this guy who everyone is putting their expectations on can turn things around, right? And I understand the perspective that maybe this is someone negative recruiting. Maybe this is someone in the league. They have incentive to say these negative things. But if you read through every other, because this was not just a Rutgers thing. This, the people got, they got anonymous quotes about every program from different coaches, right? And Rutgers is like by far the most negative one I found aside from maybe Colorado where people were doubting if Dion could do it there, uh, Indiana, where they essentially said that Tom Allen is like a old school, hard nosed coach in at, at a time where that doesn't happen anymore and isn't effective. Right. But like the, the, this, the coach was, he was pretty harsh. I think I, I, I maybe, maybe the headline was a bit much. Did you, did you guys, did you guys think it was that scandalous the way I, I, I labeled it? I mean, no, I, your headline that, what, was fine. Yeah. yeah, headline was fine. It was scathing. I mean, like, just because people agree with it doesn't mean it's not scathing. I don't think Greg Schiano agrees with it, especially. And to me, I think the part, the one that will get them, that make them angriest is the idea that there was, this, there's been a significant amount of turnover, which I mean, really is not, really not that true. If you look at the overall staff, they changed some offensive coaches, uh, got rid of a couple of, you know, a couple of guys who've been there for a while, but the defensive staff is almost entirely back. Uh, and the, those were it's highly stressful environment. I think that is, those are pretty targeted about what's going on behind the scenes in that program. And I don't think there's any question that there's a narrative true or not about Greg Schiano is, has a pretty hard driving boss. Um, so I think that's probably the, that's probably the criticism I'm guessing that bothered them the most. Pat? I would, I would, oh, right. so people brought that up too, right? And they brought up the point that every college football program is a highly stressful environment, which, to which my argument is if someone is bringing that up, that works at a college football program, would not that, would that not imply that it's an extra stressful environment, you know, more than yes. the usual program? Right? I think that's what's going over people's heads, right? So if every program is highly stressful, imagine how highly stressful what is that another coach has to mention it? You, you know, I, I don't know. Again, it's June. This really doesn't matter. It's an anonymous quote from an anonymous coach. It's going to blow over in a week, but uh, it did, it, it did make some shockwaves for, for a day. It was a good jab, man. You know, it was like one of those things that on you could definitely read that quote on a message board. Some fan could have written that is what right. I, I took away yes. from it at first. Like it just seemed like it was very surface level. And then they throw in that quote about the highly stressful environment. Yeah, though absolutely. So insider. Right. Yeah. But the, to I mean to the point about 
you know, the quarterbacks, you there, there is some element of it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. The buzz is, has worn off. I mean, but that, that's, that was a natural thing that was going to happen as well. And yeah, I mean, you, you replace your coordinator, but not your quarterbacks. That does, that is a very interesting, that is a statement about the, about what he thought was happening with his offensive staff. So just a fascinating little thing going on again, Athlon. I'm amazed. Like who's doing people still go like go to the seven 11, pick up their Athlon. Is that like, is that a thing? You do that when it comes out? They must, second? right? Do you? I did. But is there I, still I, a magazine stand at 7-Eleven? That's even a bit like next to the Slurpees? I got mine at Barnes & Noble, so I'm not sure. Barnes & Noble. Okay. All right. It is a good preview, I must say. Like, it is pretty – if you want to know, if you want to get really hardcore into college football, I would go get the Athlon magazine. It's there great. you go. Thank you. Our new, our new sponsors, Athlon and Aflac. Maybe we can get the both of them – to do it all right let's dive into insider questions because the first insider question rocco in florida is about this as there were several questions from our insiders as always thank you for continuing to get our text message and listen to our uh back and forth on that service um do you agree that coach Shiano is doing a great job or do you believe the assistant coach is right that we should have brought in some new quarterbacks from the transfer portal was what Rocco specifically wanted to know. He was angry at Athlon for publishing such garbage. Uh, I mean, I wrote in December that they, they absolutely positively 100% had, to, had a quarterback in the transfer portal. They did not listen. What a surprise. Uh, someone that Rucker's not listening to me. I mean, what's your take? Is that going to be? Are we going to be talking about that in in, in October as as the big mistake? Gavin yeah, said doesn't get any better than yes, but if he has a big year, then no. I think it's all uh, it's all dependent. But uh, we've discussed this ad nauseum, right? Like it's a tough spot because Gavin Wimsett's the highest ranked quarterback in modern history. To give up on him after one year is probably feels a bit early and probably sends a signal to future quarterbacks. And then on the flip side, having to get a quarterback that you can't guarantee a starting spot when you don't have as enough NIL to compete with a lot of these other schools that are competing for top talent. Uh, it's just a very rock and hard place position to be in. And I, even if Rutgers wanted to upgrade the position, I'm not entirely sure how feasible that would be. Uh, right. we'll, this this point will all be mute in, into the fall once we see what, what Gavin Wimsett does in, in Shiraka's system. Yeah, and I think my problem is Gavin Wimsett, yes, even if he is – even if he does take the next big step up, uh, there's, there, I mean, there's not much behind him, Pat. I guess that's where he was hurt last year, and we saw that. That was a big issue, and uh, you're right. Maybe a depth piece would have been a, a nice addition, but they feel confident in Evan Simon as a legitimate contender for the starting job. So you're right. Uh, what we saw maybe isn't translating what is being said. Yeah. All right, another question about this specific uh angry, not scathing, whatever we want to call it. The anonymous assistant coach uh, has the Shiano nostalgia of the early 2000s worn off. And do you guys think anything less than a mediocre bowl game is a big failure this year? I'm a huge Shiano supporter, but I'm a realistic fan. Anything less than that is a failure. And to me, that his seat will be very hot at the end of the year. So it's interesting. I mean, what obviously we do, is it necessary for this team to go six and six for his seat not to be hot? Um, what do you guys think? I think when you have so much returning on defense and you are maybe if you look back to last year without the injuries, they probably could have been in the mix for six and six. So if they're not going six and six this year, I see it as a big step backwards. So I agree. I think, uh, the seat gets, gets hot at the end of the year. 
if uh, if this team isn't bowl eligible. I think failure is a bit much. I think next, not the 23 season, the 24 season will be a big year because that'll be the first time they don't have the divisions and not having to play Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan, which is four auto L's pretty much, would be a big help. Um, I think you always have that excuse that you're really having to go six and three with the other six and two with the other eight games. Like that's right. right. Uh, um, I do agree, though, that at some point, my sense that talking to fans is just they're still going to keep showing up. I should say the fans that are not people that show up no matter what that would show up if Rutgers was 0 and 12 every year. People that just like the tailgating because those fans exist. I mean, the Rutgers football fans that are diehards but are starting to kind of teeter. I think they're really on the edge of if this is another year where they don't make a bowl game or they lose four or five games by 30, 40 points where the hope doesn't even really glimmer much. I think people are on the verge of starting to jump ship. Uh, so I, I guess that in conjunction would put Shiano on, on the hot seat. I don't think he could be any real danger of being fired after this year unless they go 0-12. Um, but I do think that you know people will start questioning and really start that question will start percolating, I think, uh, around the program. Yeah, I mean, I I think based on the way you describe it, there's no question he would be on the hot seat if that the year goes in that direction. And it's not just because. Let's just look at the way last year ended. You can't go four and eight and get curb stomped by Maryland in the final game and shut out and and show absolutely no sign of op- offense competence after you spend one point four million dollars on on your on your buddy to be come back to be offensive coordinator. They had better be better offensive offensively uh they better be competitive in a lot of these games especially late in the year uh and yeah if, if they're not in one of those bowl games they certainly need to be in a position to be competing for one i i, I agree with that statement wholeheartedly if it's another four and eight and it's another uh where you're lo- you're losing these games by a wide margin and you're not competitive against teams like maryland it's gonna be tough i don't think there's any question we'll dive into this later in Mar- and, and in training camp but like the first four games of the year are massive just enormous oh, yeah, absolutely uh, all right hoops questions we've got a bunch of them Again, everyone wants to know if Paul Mulcahy is coming back. A week, I guess. Is there any? Are we just going to go into next year and he's going to show up for practice? He's going to. He's not. He's not big on social media, but he is. I mean, he is at. He's representing Rutgers at the uh, on three nil thing. He's around, so I mean, I guess maybe someone will bump into him and say, "Hey, what's up?" My uh, my understanding is that he's not going to make any public announcement. The program isn't prepared to make okay. any public announcements. I think All what's right. going to happen. He's going to hop on the plane to. Senegal in, in August and go with yeah, them yeah. and then we'll know that uh that he's on the team unless he leaves after going yeah. on the international trip, which I I'm, I'm joking, obviously. Um if I was a Rutgers fan, I'd be pretty nervous that I am so confident that he's coming back. Obviously, as we talked about my NCAA tournament prognostics, but I think everything that I've been told, every indication is that he's gonna come back. I don't think he's going to play overseas. I don't think I would be right. like most shocked of all, if he transferred, I really would be shocked if that happened. Yes. Um, He's going to come back. And let me just say this too. Like the other part of this is, and I think there's been some criticism of Mulcahy for, for last season. I think one, he wasn't completely healthy. And I think that, that, that is, that is pretty obvious. Uh, and, and two, he's still, I mean, when he plays at a high level, he is still the most important player on that team. And, and, and I, I, I to, to, to dismiss, a fifth year starter who has put this team in the postseason every year he's been here. I mean, it, that is every bit as big as, as Cliff coming back, I think, and, and is important for them to make the tournament as well. So um, let's not forget that part of it. It's huge uh, because Cam left this, so they need depth of guard. Yeah. And with Noah Fernandes coming, there is a chance for him to maybe, I, I, I don't know what the conversations are with the staff, but I think there's an interesting question of, can he play off the ball? 
he's a great shooter off the ball, off the catch, right? He's like a 38% shooter on threes. Can they use him as a guy, as a spot-up shooter on occasion, put him on the ball on occasion? I just think that him coming back adds a lot of versatility to the backcourt. So I think that's another big thing. And uh, uh, All right. Uh, this is the other basketball question. A lot of the scheduling details are coming out. And um, <laughs> something else that we have screamed about uh, on this podcast is doesn't appear to be coming true. Is the schedule going to improve, Brian? You've got some intel about them playing or or even uh, Steve Peichel brought it up in his little video with Jerry Recco the other day about playing a game in Brooklyn. What, do we have any idea what that's going to be? Uh, who that might be? It's going to be a high Rumors? major. It's going to be a high major. I don't have any teams for you. Um, it's going to be a high major. Uh, some have said a big 12 team maybe. I don't I don't. I can't tell you. I don't know. But it's going to There's be different major. levels of high major. I mean, obviously, if not, if Kansas is one thing, but if it turns out to be, yeah, I don't know. Boston Kansas College. State. It's not Boston, Boston College. Boston College. I, I don't think there are um, a lot of high majors that are. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but uh, I my understanding is it's going to be a high level game. That's what Steve referred to in the video yesterday. A high level game. I guess um, the way he views strength of schedule. I'm not entirely sure how what his definition of high level is. I think it's going to be a high major quality opponent. One um, word. Merrimack. That's what uh, someone brought this up to me. They made a good point. Uh, If if Brooklyn is going to have some say in who's coming, Barclays Center is not allowing Rutgers to host, you know, Hofstra or something like that. They're going to want someone that gets some people at the gate. But if it was up to Rutgers, maybe. Uh, So I think the schedule overall is going to be they have three high majors now. They're going to have at least four, maybe five. If they add another, uh, they're working on maybe a road game, uh, another home and home. If, If that works out, it's five, but at least four. And then a lot of tomato cans at the rack again. Uh, they're they're going to get Long Island University, which was literally the worst team in Division One basketball last year. They're coming to the rack next year. Uh, and there's other local teams that have been speculated. Uh, there's no contract signed yet, but St. Peter's apparently is probably coming. That was a report from Rocco Miller. And uh, they're probably going to have a multi-team event where they have three tomato cans coming in. And uh, so it'll be a combination. I think the non-conference strength schedule will probably still be in the bottom half of the country, uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe it'll be in the 200s instead of the 300s. Something to look forward to. All right, here's one. Here's from out of left field that I, I can't wait to see if either one of you can answer. Uh, in addition to Max Martin, can you confirm any other baseball players who have answered the transfer portal? Pat, what can you tell me about the baseball transfer portal situation? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, I knew the best Max, part of it, you I could know. like make up, you could like, Joe, well, Joe DiMaggio. Is, uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah, a chance. Yeah. I can't answer that question, but I know Max Martin was when he committed and signed, I wrote about that story. So he was on the edge of whether he was ever going to even come to Rutgers. So uh, I guess it just didn't work out in the way he wanted it to. He was only, he was was only there for one year. So was the baseball seasons, was the baseball team's uh, issues a big disappointment or just a uh, expected return to um, whatever? I think the latter. The latter. The latter. They, they they still played pretty well. They were very competitive right until the end. So right. I think it was just a matter of they just didn't take that, have that Boston season they, they had the year before. Yeah. Gotcha. To add about the transfer portal stuff, I'm not sure if I can confirm the names, but my understanding is they didn't lose anybody that they didn't want to lose. I don't know if that's the right way of putting it, but no, well, that's the right way. Portal, sure. Yeah. Uh, were, were devastating losses. I think Max Martin and Rutgers just didn't kind of work out. Um, and uh, I don't know where he'll land. A high major will probably take a chance on him because, uh, as Pat said, he was a borderline MLB draft pick out of high school. He was a highly touted recruit. Uh, just didn't work out at Rutgers, but I don't think Rutgers is really crying over spilled milk about any of the kids that left so far, at least. 
All right. Thanks for the questions. That's all we got. Uh, everyone who gave their feedback as to which were the best teams and best moments and best everything's. Thanks for doing that. Uh, we read them all and they helped uh, shape our, our year in review. Fellas, what else we got? We got some uh, track and field coming up this week. Pat, is that correct? And a, a really good feature by Joey Chandler on one of the athletes competing. Yeah. Uh, so Rutgers has two kids competing at nationals, which starts tomorrow. Uh, Sincere Robinson is a long jumper. He's the school record holder. He's really good. Uh, came came out of Newark. And then Chloe Timberg is is the face of the program, Big Ten champ, indoors and outdoors in the pole vault. Uh, so she'll be probably their best chance to medal and or maybe even win. So definitely keep an eye out for Chloe Timberg at nationals. Excellent. Fonseca, any final thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to ask Pat about the couple of guys that wrestling got uh, last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, what, what, what can you tell us about those guys, Pat? Rutgers has added three people this offseason in the transfer portal. Um, none were the big fish that they had flirted with, Shane Griffith being the biggest name of that. But they did get Yaroslav Slavoskowski out of Harvard. He'll be the starter at heavyweight. Jacob Butler is a middleweight out of Oklahoma. He'll probably be in the starting lineup at like 149. And then this last guy, Mitch Moore. Started his career at Virginia, then went to Oklahoma, and now will finish at Rutgers as a grad transfer. And he's been at NCAAs three times, would have been four times if the if it didn't get canceled the one year. So they got three legitimate starters out of the out of the portal, and then two big commitments uh, for their recruiting class in twenty twenty four. So I view it as like they just missed on on getting the game changer but they still did a really solid job of plugging the lineup to be better for next year. All right, excellent. Uh, that's all I got. Appreciate you guys listening. Um, thanks to Devco as always for, for being our sponsor and Chris Palladino. Uh, Oh, you know, I've got some new, we might have a, uh, a, a temporary second sponsor coming up. Like I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it's hilarious. A good little teaser. Uh, I'll tell you the whole story of that. When we do our next podcast, if that comes through, um, until then, thanks for listening. And we'll be back uh, in a few weeks to talk some more Rutgers. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com slash insider.